Well, I hope you're hearing me loud and clear. Um, today, we're going to talk about the idea of having a bit of a plan B, the idea that um, not everybody can just run out and buy, you know, five, six, seven, eight properties and create passive income. So wanted to talk to you about uh, really a plan B. And I know you guys are busy, so I'm not going to waffle on. Um, I'll get started and give you guys a little bit of an idea about a plan B. Um, so also, Urban Property Investor just came out today, so feel free to jump on there. Um, we're going to, in that episode, go through some of the rules when it comes to investing, things like future capital costs, uh, the 80-20 rule, um, the 1% rule, lots of different rules. So feel free to check that out. Uh, so we're going to talk about really a plan B, but to understand plan B, we probably need to do plan A, which of course is to create a financial space where um, – we've got multiple assets and, you know, one visual way of explaining it is a lot of Australians, around 75% of Australians live in this kind of need money to get to the end of the week space. Uh, then there's uh, the wants market, which again is less, about sort of uh, 15% of Australians have this kind of wants space. And then this kind of dream state of lots of money in retirement. It's a very, very small percentage of people pull that off. Now, as you guys are probably across it, it's just a mathematical number to, to come up with, which in today's episode of The Open Property Investor, I explained it as rule 20. You just take the number you want when it comes to financial freedom uh, and you times it by 20 to create the amount of assets you need. So $100,000 in income times 20 means $2 million of assets. And so quite often um, the magic number for whatever reason, I think it's just a, a good number that people like is, you know, 2000 bucks a week is is nice if you've paid off um, you know, your your home and you've got passive income, right? So obviously to get that uh, number, um, a lot of people use the system of, uh, of leverage. So, you know, buy four properties, uh, sell two and keep two. And the idea of leverage is just that you're taking on more debt to distinguish debt eventually. And that is a principle that most property investors use. But I am um, obviously meeting more and more investors and not everyone has the servicing uh, capability of buying four, five, six properties and using debt uh, to pay off debt. And so what is another way of doing the same plan um, and trying to do it with less property? So 
Um, one way to do that is what I call, uh, and I call it contemporary mixed use. And it's just the idea that if you were going for a number and you can't necessarily throw as much capital into the market, you're going to have to use rent to overcome the difficulty of lending. So contemporary mixed use really is a word which I use. I probably coined the phrase, to be honest with you, um, in the context that in commercial, um, commercial sites, if you like, have multiple uses. They can be um, a office, for example, but also make a very good development site. So in residential, there is only a certain amount of properties which have dual uses. And so they typically are things like um, Airbnb or short stay properties. Um, things like dual income properties where basically you've got a house and a granny flat. Um, you can have today things like boarding houses. Um, you can have things through the National Disability Scheme, NDIS. And uh, what, what basically the premises of doing this kind of strategy actually is, is it becomes your income strategy, um, particularly if you've only got a limited budget um, and you're, you know, not capable of taking on so much stock. And not everybody can buy five properties. Um, once upon a time when real estate values were a lot less than what they are today, um, you could go and it, it was a lot easier to buy five, six, seven, eight um, really properties. And also lending was never really a problem. In fact, before the lending issues we've seen with uh, banks, you know, actually having a look at what you earn, um, honestly, 10 years ago, you, you could pretty much bluff your way through getting a home loan. It was pretty simple. Now they want to see everything, right? They kind of responsible, which is a good thing. We want, um, you know, responsible lending. But um, when it was irresponsible lending, it was a lot easier to achieve this. Now, for a lot of people, it's still easy. Um, it really is dependent upon your your income, right? But remember, this is just a mathematical equation. And if you can create an easier way to reach that maths with less real estate, that's cool as well, right? And the best way to do that, I find, if I was, if someone came to me and said, you know, this is my buying, uh, you know, credentials, this is my risk, this is my time left in the marketplace, what should I, what can I end up doing? I would probably pigeon pair a primary growth property, like something which is, you know, really, really ace, maybe like, I don't know, six, seven, eight hundred thousand dollars in today's money, where you're gonna um primarily get growth. And then I would probably end up doing something along the lines of contemporary mixed use. Personally, I like short stay Airbnb. Um, and the reason I like it is not only 
the fact that the rents are incredible, that the ability for me as a human being to stay in my own properties when I'm traveling is something that I like. It kind of strokes my ego. Um, and the best way to understand it is I've done a podcast on this before, actually, or uh, actually, I think it might be coming out, um, is Harry Triggerboff. So Harry, you guys know Harry. Um, Harry is, can't spell his name, but uh, he's he's the richest property person in the Southern Hemisphere. He's literally the richest person out of real estate in Australia. And he creates a portfolio where roughly about 30% of his portfolio is growth. Um, it's primary, high quality, the best growth you can go for. Generally low yielding though. The better the growth, the lower the yield typically. Uh, then I think it's 33% of his income, as you know, is merits and apartments. It's short stay. So he holds assets and basically turns them into a hotel so he can get a, a better rate of uh, yield or better rate of return. And then 30% or thereabouts is actually a development fund. So I like to mirror this. Um, I do something very, very similar. Um, and in my own property portfolio, in fact, 30% of my own property portfolio is set up this way that I can short stay the properties to generate better income from the assets. Now, the reason I have not been really talking about this a lot of late is because of the pandemic. Pandemic obviously has made it virtually impossible for people to experience Airbnb. But as we know, all things come to an end and it would seem that um, the border is going to open, people are going to start to move, we can't be kept in lockdown forever, people are starting to, you know, literally lose it and, you know, starting to burn cars and take to the streets and there'll be a lynch mob soon in uh, many places. So things are going to get back to a more normal state. The cool thing about um, an income strategy through things like Airbnb is typically when you, when things like a pandemic come along, you just go back to long-term. So you, you basically go back to a long-term renter. And for uh, some properties which I've got in my portfolio, all I did was go, you know what, Next year is going to be way too hard. Just get me a normal tenant and I'll chill out. Uh, one in 100-year pandemic passes and all of a sudden uh, things like short stay allow uh, for activity in that space again. But you can do it in other things. Dual income is quite a good one. Um, a house and a granny flat. Um, I like the ones where you can build them uh, rather than retrofitting a granny flat. So you can sort of build it as a dual income from the get-go. Uh, boarding houses, the problem is the LVR is pretty low. Um, and NDIS is a good one. But again, a little bit fiddly. Basically, that's the disability of um, scheme. A um, little bit more fiddly, but still a good one as well. 
So the point of the conversation was, if we go back to it, um, you know, to have $100,000 in income, we need uh, $2 million worth of real estate. Now, if we can only buy, um, uh, if we can't buy $2 million worth of real estate, we need to change the formula, which is the plan B. And one of the best ways to change the formula is to take a $25,000 normal rent and make that a $50,000 per annum normal rent. And all of a sudden, you don't need $2 million worth of real estate. Maybe you need, you know, making up the numbers now, but 1.4. Um, so that is the power of contemporary mixed use, which I've just stolen the name basically from, um, from the mixed use you see in commercial. The best returns in real estate uh, or the best yields rather in real estate is from commercial because in commercial you have what is known as a triple lease. Uh, basically, you have the rent, the tenant plays the outgoings, and the tenant pays the insurance. So you basically have a huge income. The problem with commercial is, again, the LVRs, sometimes around 70%, and the loan term around 15 years. So you quite often get this kind of, you need a lot of cash to run it. I get around that by doing what Harry Triggerboff does and doing short stay. Um, and so 33% of my portfolio is either dual income or actually short stay. The reason I like short stay is I get to be a, what I call a rent entrepreneur. And I get to basically play the game of Airbnb. And so um, this year, not so much fun. Um, but here's the thing with Airbnb, and I do it in more suburban cities. So my Airbnbs are in Brisbane and Melbourne um, and Sydney, actually. Um, and the Sydney one, I, I fundamentally um, just do it sort of two or three times a year because I actually live in the Sydney one. But uh, the Melbourne and, and Brisbane ones, um, yeah, like when it's not um, COVID, like they're Airbnb. So where was I? Um, yeah, so the point, the point is the income is just easier, right? And it means you have to take, obviously, the risk of buying furniture and you know, it's, it's more fiddly. Um, and again, you know, as investors, we can be active, we can be passive, or we can be hands-on. And I would say Airbnb is being an active investor. So if you've got no time on your hands, it's probably not the ideal uh, one to do. But again, for $25,000 extra rent a year, I tend to find, find the time. And so... Yeah, that's a really good way to set yourself up. And just in closing, again, if you can only buy two properties, um, one suggestion is to think about uh, income. And the other suggestion is to think about a really good growth property.
you might be 700 for the growth one you might be you know 450 for the income one you're in it for what's that 1.150 but the potential of getting that hundred thousand dollars a year really comes from this one if you cannot use leverage leverage is the best though if you can because you're just using basically other people's money to pay off debt um, to control more debt to end up um, financially free so just something to think about um hope that was useful thanks very much for your time uh thanks for tuning in to those uh lovely 16 people uh and howdy back to you max thanks very much for listening <laughs>